chapter 3, reading from verses 1 to 12. James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to make sure I'm on here. It should be. It's a little temperamental. Yeah, it's on. Well, it's really good to be with you again at St. Peter's. I love the the warmth and the um, openness and the sharing with one another that you you have in this congregation. Let's bow our heads as we pray together. God our Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would rest upon us now, that your word may be a living message to our hearts, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, the hymns this morning have of course reminded us of the essential. Jesus has completed his work on earth through his death and resurrection. He ascends to the right hand of God. He is acknowledged as Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. Now there's a parallel with the ascension with Moses going up Mount Sinai. He went up the mountain and of course he came down with the law written on the, the, the stone tablets. So Moses goes up the mountain and comes down with the law, a new way of life for the people of God, a new way to live. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God and he comes down in the power of the Holy Spirit to write his law on our hearts so that we may live, live out God's way of life given to us. 
And as we approach James chapter 3, the topic I've been given for this morning, the taming of the tongue or taming the tongue, it's important that we realize that the way in which we live out our faith is through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. That's how we're enabled to fulfill the very law of God. It's a way of freedom. It's a way of new life. Now James begins this chapter 3 speaking about teachers. I remember two teachers who inspired Lynn, my wife, and I at All Nations Christian College, Martin and Elizabeth Goldsmith. Martin is a German Jew who came to faith in Jesus the Messiah. And he's an amazingly vibrant person, just filled with the love of God. His wife, Elizabeth, came from a missionary family, um, the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, and Martin and Elizabeth served in Malaysia as missionaries. They're two people who just overflow with the love of God, um, love for other people, and their speech is full of joy and the grace of God. And I think that's why they inspire so much. Their speech is full of God, if you like, and just the joy of the Lord. On the other hand, I had a teacher at high school who used to make fun of the boys in the class. It was a boys' school. Um, and in many ways, that was something that really destroyed confidence. You know, teachers have an incredibly important role in our lives. And that's why James reminds us here that not many should presume to be teachers because we have a great responsibility. The words that we say have a huge impact. So it's a reminder for all of us as we speak, we speak on behalf of the Lord. So this letter of James is all about the importance of how we live and how we speak, how we use our tongues in the Christian life. It was written by James. We're pretty sure that the James writing here was the brother of Jesus, who became a key leader in the church. He lost his life in 50 AD when he was martyred. Um, sorry, in 62 AD. And he wrote this letter around about 50 AD to scattered Christians to encourage them to live out the Christian faith. And in this passage, James singles out our tongues as the foremost work of the outworking, the foremost mark of the outworking of our faith. If we're going to mature as Christians, we need God's wisdom, and that will be reflected in the way that we speak. Now, James gives us five reasons for the importance of controlling our tongues. First of all, because of its, of its key place in holy living, in verses 2 to 5. You know, we all make mistakes in the things that we say. I remember my father-in-law's funeral. I have, well, I had wonderful parents-in-laws. Parents-in-law, two people who I greatly love and respect, who were very generous to me. But at my father-in-law's funeral, I said, great things about him and his wife. But I did say that they had uh, quite a 
explosive relationship. I'm sorry I said it. <laughs> because they, they did in many ways. Um, they used to get upset with each other and, and just say what they felt. But it wouldn't last long, and they would get over it, and they really did have a good marriage. But what I said is they had a fiery relationship, and it upset my mum-in-law. And I could never take it back. Because, you know, the things you say um, have a huge impact. And we do make mistakes, don't we? Anyone here hasn't made a mistake? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Now James says the controlling of our tongue is the way to maturity. It's a key issue in Christian maturity. And if we don't progress in this area, it will affect every part of our lives. And he drives it home with two illustrations. How many of you have ridden a horse? No. Quite a few of you. No You'll know that when you get up on a horse, you feel the power of the animal underneath you. And uh, when you first start, it's quite scary. Um, and it's incredible that a, a horse is controlled by the small bit in its mouth. So this huge, powerful animal, controlled by a small bit in its mouth, to which the reins, of course, are attached, and you can guide and direct the horse through the bit in its mouth. In the same way, the tongue controls in many ways, our bodies and what we do. It expresses who we are. So, James gives the illustration of a horse. But secondly, a ship and its rudder. Think of a ship sailing through a storm. It's kept on course by the rudder, which is relatively small in relation to the, to the big ship. Now, when we are going through the storms of life, it's amazing the things that we can say in response to those difficult, challenging, perhaps really powerful situations that we are encountering. It's often when we say the wrong thing, isn't it? And we need God's Spirit to give us the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, so that we can speak God's words, words of encouragement and, and, of, and of love. So a horse and a ship and, a, and its rudder. Two illustrations that James gives us. The tongue has a key place in holy living. Secondly, the power of the tongue for evil. Verses 5 and 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great bursts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his or her life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Just think of a small spark on Table Mountain, how it can cause a huge fire, which can do so much harm. Incredibly dangerous. In the same way the tongue is really dangerous. A tongue is a small spark with a huge power for evil. I'm sure that Helen Ziller um, <laughs> feels that she made a mistake with her comment about um, colonialism. <laughs> well, she often does. 
Now, whether you agree with what she said or not is not the point. The point is that it was going to be misunderstood and was misunderstood, what she was trying to say, which illustrates just how powerful the things we say are. And of course, a cell phone is dangerous, isn't it? Because we say things without thinking. Some vices are corrected by age, but not the way that we use, use our tongues. In fact, as we grow older, we may easily become complainers, forecasters of doom, and, you know, always saying, well, it's not like it was when we were young, and all that kind of thing. And, of course, the tongue is so important, isn't it? What we say. The tongue can be an instrument of Satan. That's what James means when he says in verse 6 that it's set on fire by hell. Things we say in churches can destroy them. Have you listened at vestry meetings? Oh, what we say is so important. Do we speak in love? Um, do we speak words that are, are to encourage and bless others? It doesn't mean we don't have to speak the truth, but have we learned to speak the, the truth in love and humility? That's the key thing. So the power of the tongue for evil. Thirdly, the tongue defies all human restraint. Verse 8. But no man or woman can control the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. J.B. Phillips says, it will accept for a moment the restrictions placed on it, but suddenly and unexpectedly it will break loose again. You know, I play quite a lot of competitive tennis, and it's amazing what happens when there's a bad line call, what people can say. All kinds of colorful language. Um, so we have to be careful. James, when he was writing this letter, was perhaps aware of the, the words of Jesus, which are recorded by John. John says, no man ever spoke like this man. It was said of him, you have the words of eternal life. And Luke says, they wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. Jesus was impressive in the way that he spoke. And as we look at Jesus, we are humble, and we ask for grace, for the enabling of God's Spirit. Isaiah, speaking of the one who was to come, the servant of the Lord, said, there was no deceit in his mouth. Remember when Isaiah was confronted by the holiness of God in the temple? He said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So the need for forgiveness and grace, for asking God to enable us to speak words that demonstrate his love and goodness. No wonder the psalmist prayed that God would place a sentry in front of his mouth to check out everything that was coming from his lips. Psalm 141 verse 3, Set a guard on my mouth, O Lord, Keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that a wonderful prayer for every day? 
Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We really do need the enabling of the Holy Spirit to enable us to speak words of love and grace and of the goodness of God. So thirdly, no tongue, um, the tongue defies all human restraint. But fourthly, our speech reveals our inconsistency, verses 9 and 10. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. With our tongue we bless the Lord, and with our tongue we confess, we, um, sorry, we, um, what's the word? We curse those made in the likeness of God. So it's quite possible for a man to speak with perfect courtesy to strangers and then snap with impatient irritability with his own family. It's quite possible for a woman to speak with sweet graciousness at a religious meeting and then go out and murder someone's reputation with a malicious tongue. That's scary, isn't it? But it's quite possible. So our speech reveals our inconsistency. Fifthly and lastly, our speech is an index of our hearts. Verses 11 and 12. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt, salt spring produce fresh water. Now the point is that a spring, if it were possible to be both salt and fresh water, well the salt water or the brackish water would of course pollute the fresh waters. It's not possible. Can a grapevine, what does James say, can a fig tree bear olives? No, it can't. Or a grapevine bear figs? No, it can't. So what is James saying to us? That actually our speech is an index of what's going on deep inside of us. That's the truth, isn't it? So we really do need the Spirit of God to cleanse us deep within us, to make us whole to enable us to speak words of love and grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. So may we be humbled by our calling to be followers of Jesus. And may we remember that Jesus is the risen, ascended Lord, Lord of all, who has sent his Spirit into our hearts, that his word may be written on our hearts, that we may, be li may live by the power of the Spirit, revealing his character in the words that we say to one another and those around us. Amen. Let's maintain an attitude of prayer as we reflect on what God has been saying to us. As we do that, I think there may be two, two ways we might need to respond. One is, as Mike was saying, conscious of 
our need for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us, that we can only control our tongue and, and speak the words of God in the power of the Spirit. It's not something we can do through our own effort. And so we seek God's forgiveness and reassurance of forgiveness for the times that we have misspoken. And ask for that power to fill us, that our words might be seasoned with grace and truth. May that not be a heavy thing, but may it be a life-giving thing for us to, to speak life to others. I'm also conscious, as Mike was alluding to, of uh, words that have been spoken over us that have damaged us. Words spoken by others that are not, and have not been life-giving to us. And so we allow space to hear God's truthful life-giving words over us you, you are not the words spoken over you the words that God speaks are words of forgiveness and healing and grace acceptance, invitation, welcome love and we hear those words of God over us